Welcome back to C-Tech Podcasts. Thanks for the feedback. I am Nicole Huff. And I am Sylvia Ellison. And we're here today to discuss chapters five and six. Uh, chapter five, don't switch track. And chapter six, identify the relationship systems. And both of these chapters deal with relationship triggers. They subtitle it and the challenge of we, which I think is interesting. Um, so we're going to use two different methods of sacred reading practice today. The first one for chapter five will be Havrutha. Mm-hmm. And in chapter six, we'll do Lectio. Lectio okay. And we've done these before, so um, you guys should have a feel for what we're doing. So, and don't switch track. I thought it was interesting how they laid this one out, Nicole, and the switch tracking. And we kind of hinted at switch tracking earlier and in the online, the live webinar. But switch tracking is kind of that concept of we've got two arguments going on here. And Mm -hmm. I say arguments because that's usually what it leads to when we switch track. Sure. So the feedback is the content that I want to give you, but it's also the relationship behind what I'm giving you. And what hinders the feedback from getting to us, according to our authors here, is that switch track of that relationship that says, I don't care what you said because you don't have a right to say it to me, in essence. Right. Or just you're saying one thing, but that is back to the truth triggers that is not the issue here the issue here is something else the biggest one i I get home especially is your words are saying one thing but your body is saying something else Mm -hmm. right so those triggers they create a system in which we walk away or we step away and not get the feedback so in havrutha um, we have to come up with the question that the text has, and then the answer is between us. Yes. So what's our question for today? Well, we're going to look at two spots here. Page 111 has a little call-out box about how we feel treated by them that we want to look at, the appreciation, autonomy, and acceptance. And, you know, as I read that and that section, as opposed to thinking about work, what was hitting me was like being a brand-new mom. I'm not a brand new mom anymore. My daughter is four, but I still can remember a lot of that. And, you know, the, the sleep deprived and the, the number of times that often the primary caregiver feels like the other person is going out or not seeing or not doing. And, you know, you see all of the memes all over the internet about like, you're right, the laundry's not done and dinner's not on the table and whatnot, but you know what? The kids are alive and smiling. So let's appreciate that. Yeah, that I think that's me. interesting that we feel treated by them three ways. Uh, appreciation, do they see our efforts and successes, which I think a lot of times we forget to do. Same with feedback. Autonomy, are we given appropriate space and control? And as professionals, I think we, we crave that, even if we don't know what to do with it. Sure. And the third is acceptance, do they respect or accept who we are now? And I think in some cases, our teachers go through all three of these in a cycle. They go through with their administration. They go through it with their colleagues. They go through it with outside forces that come in from our Mm -hmm. district. You know, does our district appreciate us as a teacher? Right. Um, I think... And the the nation. Right. In a category that that you're in, does our district or does our nation appreciate national board certification? Mm -hmm. Right? That's huge, an effort that a challenge that a lot of people go through in order to... I think it's interesting. A lot of teachers go through a national board not to become, not to have the ability to move from state to state and teach, no. but it's a, it's it's a, a recognition. recognition. As we go into that and dig in, on page 114, it really discusses 
the acceptance there. The bottom right. of 114, it says, while we all need to feel accepted as we are, we also need to hear feedback, particularly when our behavior is affecting others. Being accepted isn't an escape hatch from responsibility or consequences. And then later it says, so seek acceptance. So I, so the question is, how do we negotiate the line? So the line of accepting you as you are, and not just accepting you as you are in a relationship at work or personally, but kind of loving you in spite of and because of both right. who you are. But then also, yes, I do love you, but there's this thing that's affecting others. And kids could be more successful if your behavior is affecting students, your behavior is affecting your mentees, your... You know, where think, do we have that line? And I think that falls into autonomy, too. That question is, you know, where does autonomy start mm-hmm. versus responsibility, right? So even this one, it was talking about being accepted. Being autonomous isn't an escape hatch from responsibility. In other words, mm-hmm. just because I have autonomy doesn't mean I get to do anything I want. Right. I still have to have consequences I for my choices. I still have to cover the standards, even if I do it in a different way. Right. And I think that's where... We have to be careful with all of these things so that you're right. That, that's a great question. How do we negotiate where we appreciate effort, give autonomy and acceptance, and still have the responsibility consequences conversations? Right. So I, I think for me the answer would be that we've said it in the past. If you're doing what's best for kids, as a, as a teacher, that line is, am I teaching in a manner that is going to to the standards Mm -hmm. am i teaching to the whole child Mm -hmm. right am i recognizing effort but not camping out on it instead moving to the standard i I think of carol dweck when she wrote a revision or an update to her growth mindset she said that the huge argument from a lot of people was that growth mindset only dealt with effort and she said no that's not true that mastery of standards is still important, but our focus has to be on the fact that kids can achieve those things. If they grow incrementally. If they grow incrementally, but, but period. I mean, mm-hmm. it's no, there's no condition on it. The condition is that we aren't born smart, we get smart. That's what your mother always said, oh, right? Yeah. But if we have that mindset that every kid can, mm-hmm. then we're going to have that growth mindset. So I'm not teaching and only giving feedback on effort. I'm also giving feedback on success and failure. Mm-hmm. But the, the mindset behind it is you can grow, you can do this, not I'm sorry, you'll never be able to because you weren't born smart. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think maybe in this case, the relationship trigger is if we recognize that First of all, the relationship is a trigger. I think that's what switch track is all about. Mm-hmm. Switch track is, is we have to recognize that that the reason I'm not taking the feedback well from you is because the relationship trigger. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think you appreciate my efforts. I don't think you see everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe I need to work on communicating that, right? Yeah. So, you know, for me... I think that when I'm looking at an answer to where is this line, um, in my own personal relationships, my husband is somebody who takes time to process and usually does so more in his head. 
Uh, he doesn't like to talk through everything, especially right away. Like if something happens that makes him upset, what he wants to do in the way that he processes is that he wants to kind of retreat and get some time and some space and work it out in his head and then later say what he has come to. And I process auditorily. And so I want to talk it through. And if you're not giving me an answer, then I feel like I'm just going to keep talking at you. So in that line of accept me for, for how I am, we have both learned to kind of give each other the space for what we need in that if we get to a disagreement, he lets me say what I need to say about what I'm feeling to work stuff out, but he is not going to respond. And he is going to, he's going to actively listen because he can tell me what I've said, but he is not going to respond. And so when I finish, I need to give him some time and space and he's going to come back to me. And I've learned that he is going to come back to me and finish the conversation later. And it's not going to be a huge discussion and it's not huge because he's been, he's allowed that time for him to process. So in walking the line of acceptance, it's really, really hard for me to give him that space to say everything I need to say and not get a reaction and not be able to solve it right then. But if I push him and make him talk right then, the only thing that's going to happen is that we're going to end up mad at each other. Right. And we can have the better discussion if I give him time. So my line is that we both have to honor our own styles and kind of accept that, but then also we still have to come to closure. I think for this one, something you rec- you recognize there is that you know the, the relationship and how it works, right? After many years. After many years. <laughs> yeah, still working on it. I think that it's interesting, as I was reading this, my husband and I came to a disagreement even yesterday, and even reflecting back on today, preparing for this, I was like, oh, I got caught. What was said and done to me was not the problem. It was the relationship trigger, right? That you said you wanted me to solve this problem, and then you left a bigger mess for me to mm. to potentially have. And so I should, when I saw that, that's what I saw, is that you intentionally did this. And so the relationship trigger was that you don't appreciate me for everything I have on my plate right now mm-hmm. dealing with. And, and so you didn't think about, and when I brought it to your attention, all I wanted was a, I'm sorry. Right. And instead, trigger again. He was triggered with the idea, you don't appreciate everything I do. and. Mm-hmm. I gave you autonomy in this, and now you're right. here telling me that I should do it. And sure. Right. So, the, so, so we have these personal stories. How do we take that back to this idea of working with other teachers mm-hmm. who want appreciation, autonomy, and acceptance? So we can see that as we look at national boards. You know, Sabrina was talking in the webinar and so we're a couple other people in the chat about going back to the questions that you have to answer. Mm. It doesn't tell us the way that we should plan a lesson, the content that tells us differentiate. Right. So we have the autonomy there, but when I take a lot of time and effort to craft a lesson and I try to think through all of the questions there, and this is national board and I want to show my best and I've planned it and I've taught it and I've 
done it with kids and written it up and then I bring it in and somebody says to me, you know, this is great, but look at question two, look at question three. Right. And in this case, am I going to feel triggered? Right. And this is relationship triggers. Right. So it's not about, because that was one of the feedback, truth triggers, go to the questions, focus on the questions. But even in, in our feedback, when we say, look at question two, the relationship that we have from mentor or facilit- PLF mm-hmm. facilitator to mentee candidate could still trigger a response. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? That my writing's bad? What are you saying? My lesson's mm-hmm. bad? I'd like to see you teach my kids. Exactly. <laughs> and, and those things come out. Like, how do you, how do you know? Um, I can see this from standpoint of a high school candidate, me, to an elementary school facilitator. Elizabeth Brown Davis was is an amazing facilitator, and I really liked her work because she she built that relationship with me, mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't I, I can't point out anything particular that she did. It could be just even the yoga class that she taught, which I just thought was amazing. <laughs> Something as as minor as that gave me an idea into her psyche, so that that relationship was fine. Mm-hmm. But when she is willing to sit down with me. I'm okay. I'm willing to hear from her, not in spite of the fact that she's an elementary teacher. How do you know anything about high school? It had nothing to do with that, but it came down to the relationship. That when she was giving me feedback, it was almost as though it was coming from that non-invasive perspective, right? I don't know if it's how she worded the questions, Mm -hmm. but I think it really comes down to that relationship that she could say something to me and give me pause to think because I respected her. Mm-hmm. I was I'm able to hear from her, right? Okay. So I think negotiating that line is we need to recognize the the gap between the two people, right? What's the what's filling in that gap? Is it so that I start with okay, I'm high school, and you're elementary, so I know that your kids are developmentally different from mine. Before we look at this, talk to me about that and talk to me about what your kids look like and can and can do and what it is so that I understand you better to help build that relationship. I think one of the answers here that I really liked is the idea of signposting. Oh, yeah. It started out with give each topic its own track. And so on page 117 at the bottom, it says the template. And I love templates because it's something I can actually like. (laughs) I can take it with me. I see two related but separate topics for us to discuss. They are both important. Let's discuss discuss each topic fully but separately. So I think that when a candidate says, are you saying that I'm a bad teacher? Because we've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. I can see the facilitator saying, I see two related topics here. One is uh, is your feelings about your instructional practice. And two is my perspective on the writing about your practice. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about them separately. And, and which one do you want to start with? And, and maybe they're like, I'm not saying anything's wrong with my teaching. Well... They may not say that, so we've got to figure out a way to get them to. It's okay when you're looking at your videotape of yourself going, oh, my gosh. It's almost Why like, did I? Blah, right. blah, blah. It's like listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I go, is that really my voice? Do I really mm-hmm. sound like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice when I know her handle is number one pride. Um, but she said, you have a nice hand. You have a nice podcast voice. That was nice appreciation feedback, mm-hmm. right? And that helps build it. So I think sometimes uh, you said the line between do I do I appreciate your flaws versus looking at the impact of behavior? Correct. And so I think that whenever we're working with our candidates and we're trying to be careful of switch tracking, 
we might have to name the two pieces. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing you say to me is that you feel the feedback I've just given you is about your teaching practice. Mm-hmm. And we can have that conversation if we still need to. But the feedback I was giving you was actually about the writing of your practice or what I saw in the video. Mm-hmm. You know, And we have to remember that that video is just a snapshot of your overall practice. And maybe that video or that writing doesn't showcase what all you're doing. The other part question though, we could be, well, what you're doing, maybe you feel like it's not enough. What, let's talk through that conversation first. Well, and even minorly too. So I really liked that you just said the language that you used to start that, the, what I'm hearing you say is this, so that Mm. you're pairing back to them. Here's what I understood from what you just said. And I liked that. That was very nice and a great way of saying that. But as you were saying that, I also thought about it may not be the global, it might be a small adjustment. Like, my mom says she has a tendency where she in daily life is very sarcastic and used to be with students. And when kids would come back from an absence and would say, did we do anything? You know, that's that moment that kind of triggers us often. Of course we did something while you were absent. What do you mean, did we do anything? And so she would respond with, no, you were absent, so we had a party. But in doing that, what she noticed about that is that she wasn't getting work turned in for makeup work. That Because her kids didn't get the sarcasm. Right. Well, and even if they did... It wasn't necessarily worth it to them to like wade through that in order to get the the task and and find the directions and blah 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 that she didn't didn't seem interested in giving them and the same I watched a lesson with an excellent teacher who was teaching an AP class and his kids were very engaged and they were looking at their own writing and going back over and looking at their own and and somebody else's writing as well and kind of grading it and giving it a score based on an AP rubric and figuring out how they could update but it was still early in the year so they weren't necessarily at a passing standard yet according to AP standards but that was okay it was early in the year and this was about a process Mm -hmm. and Uh, Lots of things went very well in this teacher's classroom that day. And there was one moment where the teacher said, and you know, as we're looking at this scale, if you're getting a two out of 10, well, eh, we won't crucify you too much. We might just kick you out of class. Don't worry about it. And then he went on. Clearly he was being sarcastic. 90% of the kids in the room laughed. But there was one girl who made this face like, oh, God, I'm going to have to get a schedule change because she didn't get the sarcasm or at least didn't get it right away. And her whole demeanor shifted for the rest of class. Everybody else in the room, that was a great lesson. And it was except, uh, you know, and it was engaging and it worked well. And so the negotiating who we are and all of that, this that reminds me of this, too. Right. That where is that line? Because. That is an, he is an excellent teacher who had lots of excellent lessons, but in that one instance, that behavior got in the way for that one student. And maybe more than that one student, but the one student you saw. In that moment. Right. I think that relationship triggers are going to be um, a key factor in giving and receiving feedback. Mm-hmm. They always get in the way. And so I think that they, what they uh, admonish us to do in this is to ensure that we check 
um, on page 119, are we on the same track? What is the real topic here? Mm-hmm. And having that conversation. I think that yesterday, if my husband and I had that conversation about what is the real topic here, mm-hmm. and um, what are both topics here? What are both topics here? We could have had that. And I think that's where our reconciliation comes into play is did the task get accomplished? Yes. So I think that um, when we had our first conversation, the task itself dealt with the first topic and our reconciliation at the end dealt with the other topic, which is that feeling of appreciation and understanding that idea that on a person, our place are overflowing with responsibilities right now. And so I think neither one of us are feeling necessarily at a place where we are just, we're swimming, not sinking, right? Mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing about chapter five is it uh, it leads us into the idea of going into chapter six, mm-hmm. which is identifying the relationship system. I really liked, I like chapter five because I like understanding the switch tracking. Mm-hmm. That when people give you feedback, there's the feedback they're giving you and then there's all the stuff wrapped around the feedback that they think that they're not giving you, but they really are. Chapter six, I think, takes it to the level of what is a, that relationships are not just about two people, but that there's a system of things in place. In senior English, we're talking about critical perspectives. Sure. And that sometimes when you look at a relationship, there is a cultural difference. Mm-hmm. There's a reader response difference. You know, what I bring my own backgrounds. There's a feminist perspective. So you have those traditional roles, mm-hmm. historical perspective. So there's all sorts of perspectives in reading text. In relationships, I think we have those too. And I think in chapter six, we talk about directly the systems that are in place that kind of, in some ways, dictate our relationships, but it definitely it casts informs. our relationships. Well, it casts our relationship in these roles mm-hmm. that are becoming less traditional. And yeah. yet we're still caught the traditional. So and um, we did Harutha for chapter five. What are we doing for chapter six? Well, at the end of chapter five, I was called to three things, okay. which I know is more Lectio. And Lectio Divina is what we're going to do in chapter six. But just like the rest of this book, it really pulled out to me that I need to pause. Mm-hmm. That whatever I'm hearing, rather than reacting, I need to pause and think because there's more going on here than what I instantly understand. I need to ask questions and I may need to make sure that we talk through everything and that it's done one thing at a time. Good point. I'm glad you followed up with that because um, of course, you know, I love my lists and we have direct steps we can do. Then that helps clarify what Mm -hmm. we need to do. So you're right. Call to action is good there. Okay. So chapter six, um, looking at overall is identifying the relationship system. Um, the subtitle here is Take Three Steps Back. And the first section talks about who is the problem, who needs to change. I always took this as what is intentions versus perception. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's what this chapter is going to talk about. Is My intention is this, but mm-hmm. you perceive it this way. So who has the power here? And I don't think there's ever a straightforward who is the problem and who needs to change. I think the answer is we. Exactly, which is what <laughs> goes to the relationship triggers. On page 135, it's there's a little overview call-out box, which is um, seeing feedback in the system. One step back, two steps back, and three steps back. In terms of that, I just wanted to give us this overview of the system because that creates our step Correct. one. Okay. So our quote looks like we're looking at page 140 as well as 142. So just before, it helps us avoid fixes that fail. Mm. I have underlined... 
Seeing my own contribution to my circumstances makes me stronger, not weaker. If I contribute to my own problems, there are things I have the power to change. Okay. And as we talk about the context in step one there, with the steps back, this helps me look at if somebody has taken a step back and helped me see this problem is not just me or not just we. And the systems, like with the mom who was trying to tell her kids to pick up the shoes and the father-in-law said, Mm. okay, but they think that you don't mean it until you yell. That's not your follow through. Um, He was apart from the system and giving her the feedback. The great thing there is that once she sees that, once the mom sees that, she has the power to make a difference. She doesn't have to yell to get her kids to see that she means it. After the first time, now she has the power to change this. I've said it once and they didn't, they're waiting for me to mean it. So I'm going to walk over to them and say now and make them move and make them do it and do it without yelling. And, and it's interesting in that conversation, she said that her, she was exasperated because he didn't know dot, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But the feedback from the authors tell us to do is put yourself in the father-in-law's shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, true atticism, right? You can't sure. know somebody until you walk a mile in their shoes. But put yourself in his shoes and look at it from his view and think to yourself, this wasn't about me. It was about the situation. And he was trying to give me feedback on how I could stop getting to the point of frustration. Not how I could solve the problem right away, although mm-hmm. that would solve it. But the problem, I saw the problem as the shoes and he saw the problem as my frustration is what I took it as. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, so I loved that idea of sometimes we have to get away from ourselves in order to see... The truth of that so that's and the context of it right yes and it's at the end of that blame shifters of it's not me that if we do stop saying but so and so did this and that happened and we start taking some accountability what it means is that i am powerful because i have the ability to change it so as we look at where we see that in the world in step two and as, as well as in other texts what i think is wonderful there is the I am stronger, I am powerful, I have the ability to impact change. Mm. I think that we see that in every good story. I actually think I see it in, oh, that movie, It's Old Now, with Kevin Bacon and the kid from The Sixth Sense where he's talking about the random acts of kindness and trying to make the world a better place. And Kevin Spacey is his teacher. I think I said Kevin Bacon, and I meant Kevin Spacey. Spacey, yes. Um, and that was Pay it forward. Thank you. Pay yes. it forward. The goal was to impact the world. Well, the little kid figured out, I am strong, and I do have the power to change. And it's not about some big invention. It's about a small act of what I can do. And so he helped a couple of kids mm-hmm. and people, and then it spread. So that kind of reminds me of the story of the starfish, right? You see the kid walking down the beach throwing one starfish in, but there's hundreds of starfish, and the kid, and somebody says, Why are you, why doing, are you doing that? There's, a, there's too many out there around the world to, you know, he, she, you're not making a difference here. And he goes, mm-hmm. And that one starfish, I made a difference. Made a difference right? to that one. And I think that's what it comes here is when we're, when we're trying to shift the blame, it's not me, we're not solving the problem. We're just saying it's somebody else, right? And I think mm-hmm. we're going to find as, um, as facilitators, as professional learning facilitators, that our candidates are going to want to always shift the blame to us. Mm-hmm. Right. So oh, how this do we... is what society looks like. The, these kids today. Right. Uh-uh. We can't respond to that. 
we have to kind of absorb that with this understanding of, okay, we need to shift their thinking. Mm -hmm. How do I shift their thinking without triggering Mm -hmm. the the relationship? Because what they're saying is on this topic. And Mm -hmm. I know that we need to talk about this side topic about these kids, right? Mm -hmm. Or the blame shifting. Um, I think that that's what it's talking about in this chapter is we need to recognize that system of what's really happening and then hope to fix it. So not contributing to the problem, but trying to point out what they can change. So in their mind, the problem is these kids Mm -hmm. and this lesson and your feedback. Mm -hmm. And we can't change all three of those things. So how do we address the topics? Well, I think one is one step at a time. And maybe we walk them through the process. Okay, well, let's take a step back and look at the role as though this is another teacher. And you watched this teacher or talked about this teacher with this group of kids. What would you think? Mm -hmm. Maybe something like that might help push them to help impact change. And, and we're kind of we're addressing this as though all the candidates are coming with problems, but I think that <laughs> they're, they're not. I mean, we're, we're talking about the people who are going for national board candidacy are not. We have a lot failing. of excellent teachers. Yeah, they're not failing teachers. They're excellent teachers that we're trying to push. And I think maybe that's the challenge is that I may be an excellent teacher, but I still can be pushed, right? I mm-hmm. can still um, sharpen the saw as the seven habits explain that if we're lifelong learners, if I want, if I'm an excellent teacher, I constantly want to learn how to be better, right? Right. And I think that's what National Work Candidacy is all about. And so receiving feedback from anybody, especially people I may or may not know well, mm-hmm. I have to be sure that my blame shifter triggers off mm-hmm. and that I can look past and I guess I'm moving into call to action right yeah (laughs) that I can move past um, the relationship and try to find that nugget of truth in there so if Jane Doe is a facilitator and trying to give me feedback and I don't know anything about Jane Doe that could be a plus because she's a stranger and it talks about the people from outside often have the most creative solutions correct so I could that could be an easy one oh I don't know you and you don't know me so therefore Mm mm-hmm And as we think about our personal connections to this, I also remember my first year teaching and that most days at the end of the day, I found myself coming into your classroom (laughs) and then later at my mom's kitchen table going, it didn't work. And that might be where we start. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I didn't have time and I couldn't get them there in 50 minutes and I, or an hour and a half at that point, actually. I couldn't get them there in 90 minutes and we were on block. And, you know, because there was so much time, they were able to get off track here or there or, you know, um, the fact that we're so far away from the building. All of those things are true. Yes. But what are you going to do about it tomorrow? And that was the focus back that I got back from you and from my mother was, okay, those things happened. How do we make it better tomorrow? What can you do? If these are the things that kids didn't get, how are you going to readdress that tomorrow? What do you have the power to fix? What can you be in control of? How can we make it better for kids and how can we make them learn more? Um, So as a call to action, you know, you were talking about the discussion there. And I just think that through this whole book, it is about pausing, thinking, and talking Mm. rather than reacting. Oh, yeah. And 
if we just refocus. All of that is, all of those system things happen. All of those other things are also true. But what do you have the power to change? How can we make it better? Where can we move forward? And I think that's really challenging. Um, I call it responding versus reacting. Mm -hmm. And I found uh, in my 23 years of teaching now that the the more that I um, work with Title I classrooms or students from the struggling side of the uh, academic range, Mm -hmm. I can easily get myself caught into that system of reacting because of the way it wears, Mm -hmm. wears, and wears on you. So I think that the more cognizant we are of the factors around us that impact how we respond, the more important it is to pause and take those deep breaths, to have a system in place. Mm -hmm. What I like also in the quote that I wanted to take out from this is on page 142. This is when it says talking about systems. And I think the thing I liked about this piece of the chapter is that it took the onus off of, oh, I'm such a bad person because I feel this way, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I was feeling that way. this, And it gave me a, a solution, right? So it says um, in page 142 in the second paragraph, it says in these conversations. So like what you said earlier that our next steps for have to be pause, ask questions, have conversations. So the first thing it says, first, I take responsibility for my part. And second, we're both contributing to this. So if that's the foundational piece, the piece that I love the most was that that next subheading. Here's what would help me change. And I don't know that I have a one thing from all this, but what I love about this piece is that instead of saying, you said this and this is how I feel, mm-hmm. right? Instead, I say... I, and I think it said in that second paragraph, describe how you could get a better reaction from me. So, mm-hmm. so my job is to, I'm going to describe how you could get a better reaction from me. If you're asking me to change, then cast it in the service of helping me. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you want to say to um, me, Sylvia, um, you are really, you have such a strong personality in a classroom, in a co-teaching situation. Um, that you often don't give your co-teacher space to teach. And that came out once before, years ago. So the feedback when it was given to me was stop being so domineering. Right. But this was a wise principle. And at the time that she said it, it was, Sylvia, you have such a strong personality. Mm -hmm. The way that you can help is by... Mm -hmm ensuring that you know and so uh ensuring that your co-teacher has space right Mm -hmm. and then it came down to like how do i do that and so it came down to the more we planned together the Uh, more you knew empowered my co-teacher felt both people could have now understand in the scope of this that Mm co-teacher has turned out to be a teacher of the year Mm -hmm. in her content Um, she's turned out to be a district ida s baker teacher of the year in fact, our conversations now go back to um, she learned a lot from me. I just imagine with everything she got just that, that year from me, imagine if it had been different and she had how much faster she could have done it or how much even better she could have been. You know, did I get in the way of her? So what I liked about this, my quote then is how they could um, describe how they could get a better reaction from you. You're asking them to change, but you're casting it legitimately in service of helping you change. And so I think that's my quote. And in the context here, 
this is ending ending the relationship system discussion, mm-hmm. ending, ending the conversation relationship triggers, and to me, this is their call to action to us. How do I use the system as opposed to just reacting or responding to it? I love that. The here's what would help me change. So that when somebody says to you, you are the problem, <laughs> as opposed to switch tracking and saying, no, you're the problem. No, the problem is blah, blah, blah. What you're saying is the problem you have addressed has value and I will work on it. And here's what would help me work on it. Mm. And I like that because it's me give. So somebody's given me feedback. I'm receiving mm-hmm. it. So it's not the giver of feedback that's saying this. It's the receiver. Right. Man, how, how empowering it is as the receiver to say, this is, okay, what I hear you saying about my writing is this. Mm-hmm. How, what will help me change is, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe when our candidates come to us and we're reading it, I love it when our facilitators say, here, give me a second, let me read through it. Mm-hmm. I like, I want to read through the whole thing, get to the end before I make a judgment. In scoring student essays this week, uh, my district writing coach, Autumn Dent, said that um, a lot of times kids can work them, they can write their way out of their errors, ah. right? So a lot of times with teachers, we, we read the first paragraph or two and go, oh my gosh, the conventions are awful here. And they are at the beginning, but as we're reading through the rest of the paper, we realize, oh, they've corrected all those errors. And they have some deep thought here. Right. And so we didn't discount it because of the errors in the beginning. We let them write their way out of the errors into Mm -hmm. good writing so that they showed control of language. Just the beginning was nerves. Or the beginning was a couple of spots that they should have gone back and didn't catch in the Mm -hmm. editing process. Well, and you know, this chapter had also talked about like the the false fixes and things like the deadlines. And so that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I hear in this. Here's what would help me change too is my sister and I are both people who are often late. And it does not really work to just tell me that the thing starts 10 or 15 minutes ahead of when it really does. That makes me mad yeah, <laughs> when I discovered it. time with my sister. So I can own that I do run late and that I can say to my husband, who does not run late, and really <laughs> he's the to be, you know, what, what is to it? Be to, early is to, to be on time, to be on time, to be on time is, is to be late. late. Yes. To be late is to be left behind. Yes, that is exactly what my <laughs> husband quotes to me. I can own... I often take longer than I say I will. I over or I underestimate how much time it takes me to do things and therefore I am late. What would help me change is I need to know where we're actually going to dinner so that I understand how long it would take or the kinds of things that I should be wearing. I'm second guessing everything I'm going to wear because you want it to be a surprise. Or what would help me change is help me pack the things that we need you know you know that we're going to my mother's house and we have all of these things that we need rather than it being my domain of getting everything for Sasha and everything for myself how about we make a list ahead of time together so that you can get some of these things when I underestimate or you can remind me of how much time it actually takes ahead of time if you want dinner to be a surprise tell me what to wear Mm -hmm. or if we're going, tell me where we're going to dinner so that I can choose what to wear. Right? I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind one of the two. Right. <laughs> that would help. With um, yeah, it backfired on us once. One Thanksgiving, we told my sister two hours early because she was always an hour late, and then they actually got there on time that time, and it was not pretty. Um, I think 
in that case, if we had just had that conversation, help me help, you know, mm-hmm. don't be late today, right? Then you could, you could fix the problem. I think the story in here is of Vince, who are, no, Benny problem. Mm-hmm. Benny, Benny and was Vince late. and Alice, right. the, the deadlines and the managers. And I and... love that whole story because it goes, it goes back to the system that Benny is always late with everything but they but the failure was on the part of all four people mm-hmm. that Vince could not clearly communicate what the board wanted. Alice couldn't give a description of that, and then the board didn't the messages never happened. So the problem was not Benny being late. The problem was communication. So Benny's failure fix was to just double the budget and double the time. Right. But of course, that compounded the problem because now the board thought they had more time to change their mind. Right. And they had more money to spend. And, mm-hmm. and so it just became a, a cycle. So if failure. he could have instead said to Alice, I own the fact that I have been late. Here's what could help me be on time. I need to know from the start. We Correct. need to not change the deadlines. We need to not. And even having that conversation, when you change, the pers- when you change what you want, mm-hmm. know the deadline's going to change. Right. Right. Having that conversation, like, can you change the mi- your mind anytime you want? And I think that if we are taking responsibility for our part, but also helping others to see, I think that that solves some of our switch tracking issues from Chapter 5. And I think that it also helps us feel powerful because I do have something in my power to change, but then also helping you see what you can change that also impacts me doubles the amount of impact I can have on that. And we want feedback from you guys too. So if you have a different call to action, if you have a different question, we'd love to hear about it. We'd also love to hear some of your personal connections to our own quotes. Mm -hmm. So our feedback from you comes in the form of forms. So just like with the others, it will be at tinyurl.com slash feedback episode four. The webinar was three, so this is four. Feedback episode four. And we will continue this conversation in our live webinar, which will be segment seven. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to also prepare something to share at that point, we'll have our round one, two, and three like we did before, where we'll start because there's so much rich conversation starters in this, these two chapters, and then the next three, that our live webinar will be pretty exciting. Yes. And you won't want to miss that. Thank you so much. We look forward to talking to you again soon and hearing from you in the digital space.